If you want to sell online courses, you have two options. Number one is selling a course around a topic nobody else talked about before. But doing this is risky because there may be no market for it at all. Solution number two is selling a course around a topic other creators have already tackled. This is way less risky. But on the flip side, the issue is that the niche may already be saturated unless you find a unique angle to promote your course. And guess what? This is exactly what we are going to tackle on today's episode of Build Your Thing. I'm Matt Giaro, and I'm the host of Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, monetize their work, and build their tribe of loyal fans. Dagobert Renouf joins me on this episode. So Dagobert left a 100k software job to bootstrap a startup with his wife four years ago. Then he took it from $300 to $3,000 a month by building a Twitter audience. And he recently launched a Twitter course, which is called How to Dominate Twitter. And this course did extremely well. In the first 24 hours, it generated over $8,000 in sales. And quite frankly, it was one of the best sales page I recently came across. So I had to bring Dagobert on the show to talk about this topic. So with that being said, let's get started. All right, Dagobert, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's a pleasure. Like, um, as I mentioned, like just before hitting the record button, you know, I'm not the kind of Twitter guy and I really discovered you like based on the recommendation of one of my, um, as I told you, of one of my email subscribers. So, um, and then I stumbled across your course and I also saw that you have a startup. So despite us being, let's say you were in the startup world, um, and you also have a foot in the creator world when it comes to content creation, right? Because you, you, just, you just launched a course. Yeah. And I'm only on the content creation side. Um, I really found that yeah. you have very, very interesting things going on. So before digging deeper into all the good stuff, could you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you're actually doing? Okay, so the main thing about me is that uh, my wife and I built a startup more than four years ago. Uh, that was uh, the dream of our lives. Uh, I'm a developer initially, I'm a software engineer, and she's a designer. And we wanted to bring our abilities together to build a startup, which is Logology, which is a website where you can generate a logo for your company automatically. So we spent years building that and trying to make it successful. But for the first three years, we spent almost all our savings onto that, just working full time on it. And it was basically it was basically failing, like it went nowhere. But eventually, we started realizing that the problem wasn't so much the product because we had a few customers that were happy. That was mostly the marketing side. That was really the big problem. So none of us uh, are marketers. We're just like we see, you know, ourselves more as creators. But we thought, okay, we have no choice. Like if we want to make this startup successful and not go back to a job or like the life that we don't want. We really have to, you know, become better at marketing. So that's why I started, you know, trying different things online. I started to run ads. I started sponsoring newsletters. But eventually, uh, none of that really worked. And it's by going on Twitter and sharing our journey. And uh, I mean, it's mostly I share my journey, even though, you know, it's our journey. But it's just I found that it's easier to talk from the I perspective because it's way more relatable. And by sharing my journey building a startup, I managed to finally get attention to my product, sales, customers, word of mouth, uh, word of mouth, and all that. Just because I finally was, you know, putting myself out there, sharing stuff about my journey, my startup, my projects, and so I became pretty addicted to Twitter at that time. That was a bit more than a year ago, and I got crazy over Twitter just to grow my startup initially. But I started discovering also some very unique ways to use Twitter and to market my product there, which eventually led me to a couple of months ago releasing a course about how to grow on Twitter. So what I'm about is I'm still like 100% a startup founder. That's still my goal. I don't want to spend my time doing courses. This is not like my, my dream or anything like that. It's just something that I thought I could bring value with. So I was, and it was a nice change of pace. And also I thought, you know, it could bring some cash as we were trying to figure the startup thing. But, you know, most of my time is still like dedicated to building this startup, improving it, making it grow even further. 
and you know building this kind of like dream life uh, with my wife. This is this is very very interesting. So before digging deeper into the you know into the core side of things, um, I really wanted to hone in on the specific aspect or the specific thing that you that you shared here is that like you just started um, using Twitter and not really talking about your startup, right? So, um, which is like all about creating logos. So you didn't start about, you know, talking about, okay, how to build a logo. Here are the three tips that you should, uh, uh, that should you know if you want to, if you want to create a logo and that kind of stuff, right? So you, you just, you know, started talk, uh, talking about your journey and, and this is, this is kind of weird. So you just start, let's say, okay, let's say I want to, I want to increase, let's say the exposure of my startup, which is all about logos. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me just to talk about my journey, but you know, it's like you, you just hit the goal with another perspective. So can you share us a little bit more what the process actually looked like? Yeah. So at the beginning, I actually started by spamming a link to my product everywhere on Twitter. <laughs> that was me beginning Twitter. That was just like, searching for people asking for hey i need a logo or also people saying hey what are you working on on your startup every opportunity i got i was talking about oh you need to go to my website logology and you know it wasn't going very fast like it wasn't it wasn't helping me much one of my tweets like this got me a couple sales but that was it so eventually i realized to grow on twitter you sh that it was better to not promote myself and to instead, by talking about my journey, since it's a logo tool for other startup founders, talking my journey as a startup founder, it's very relatable to them. And it creates a lot of engagement, a lot of interest in whatever I'm doing because I'm sharing stories that is interesting to them. So very quickly, after a couple months of just promoting my product all the time and talking about logos and all that, I changed a bit and focused more on like what I knew, like because like also the also other reason is that the logo expert is my wife. It's not me, and she's really you know kind of like you. It's not her thing. Social media. It's really not her thing, because you know social media can be very uh, exhausting and time consuming, and it's like a very specific uh, type of marketing. That if you like it, it's awesome. But if it's not your thing, it can be you know too much. So for her, it's like that and. I found, you know, by experimenting so much on Twitter this first couple of months when I started, is that what matters is basically engagement and reach and becoming known for something. So I just focused on being authentic, sharing my journey. And since my journey is also the journey of my customers, this is where the magic happens. Because like, let's say I'm going to promote my product by tweeting. So I might get like 10 likes and some engagement. So I'm going to get like, let's say 30 people to my website and I'm not going to get much followers. So I'm not going to grow. So my audience isn't going to grow. But if on the other end, what I'm doing is I talk about my story, make engaging stories, tell a story that's inspiring my target audience. Then I get 10 times or hundred times more engagement, hundred times more followers, way more people who check out my product, even though I don't talk about it directly. So basically instead of like, having 10% of a very low engagement tweet get traffic to my website, I get super huge engagement tweets and then only 1% of them check in my website because they're curious, they want to know me, you know, all that. But that's actually 10 times more people in the end because I got so much volume that just the curiosity aspect and people wanting, relating to me, you know, makes up for not being uh, highly targeting with the content. I love this. It's a really, really smart strategy. So now comes the question: How did you came came up with this idea? So that's just that's just like experience. That's just me trying to promote my product and seeing I was going nowhere. So I mean, I could see it was slow, and then I started tweeting because I think my first viral tweet was when I shared a screenshot of a customer on my live chat. That I mean, not a customer, but someone who was on my website and who basically said, "Hey, I just stole one of your logos. What are you going to do about it?" Like some huge asshole and it was it pissed me off so much that i shared it on twitter and i saw the reaction i saw how it connected emotionally with people i saw how all the other startup founders on twitter started 
rooting for me, you know, feeling sorry, feeling like empathy and connections. I got tons of followers. I got tons of goodwill. And I realized at that point, okay, sure, I never had that when I promoted my logos. I never, it never happened like, because it's not the same emotion. So I realized, okay, most important thing is the emotion. That's how you get engagement. That's how you get traction. And then, and actually, even when I tweeted that, I sold a logo because somebody, you know, discovered my product because of this tweet and he bought a logo. So it made me realize, okay, it's better to connect emotionally because then, well, people trust you. They, they are interested in you. They are curious about you. And since it's people in my target market, then they can just, you know, whenever they need my product, they're going to think of me because they trust me and they know a bit about me from the tweets. And that's really the key that I learned. And then I decided to go all in on that. And I almost never talk directly my, about my product. Even now with like more than 50K followers, I don't even do it because it's not the most effective way to get people to buy it. You know, I can talk about it once in a while, you know, when there's an important thing, like a big milestone or like a big new feature or like a big thing, like once a month or like twice a month or so, but not every day. Like it's not the main content that I do. That makes a lot of sense. Really, like emotion is is really the pillar, and like I really like the fact how you um, the the memes that you're using on your uh, on your account. So, like this also adds another touch. Let's say people are going to look at it, and then they may be going to smile, or maybe you know, and then like again, it makes them feel good, and and then they actually associate your account and your content with with positive things and, and with emotions. So this is, this is, this is very, very smart. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the, the thing with the memes that I wanted to say is that, um, it came from the same thing. It came from focusing only on engagement. I wasn't mm -hmm. trying to sell. I was like, I'm going to focus on engagement and the sales are going to come. And the memes is like, for, at first it was just for fun because I needed to find because I was taking Twitter seriously and I needed to find content every day and it was tough at the beginning. So I started experimenting with memes, you know, because it's kind of natural for me because I'm, I'm the, the guy at parties that always makes jokes. Like I always make jokes all the time. So memes came pretty natural for me. So I started doing them for the first month, didn't go very far, but then eventually got the first, you know, the first viral meme. And to be fair, the memes isn't as effective as getting customers directly because it's very, uh, let's say, low touch. So people are going to see a meme, like it, but they're not going to check my profile. They just laugh mm -hmm. and move on. They don't feel connected to my story the same as when I tweet something about what happened with my startup or something deeper like this. It's way less effective. However, the memes are very good because, I mean, very useful because it allows, I mean, by making someone laugh, you just instantly make them trust you. Like, cause like somebody can see my tweets and they still think like, oh yeah, this guy is a bullshitter. Like, it's just like somebody telling a story on Twitter. How do I know that he's real? You know, you never really trust people online because, you know, there's so much stuff going on. But when you make someone laugh, all of that disappears. Like when somebody is just laughing, do you want, like you, they just trust you now. And whenever you're going to do something about your startup or your product, they're going to have a lot of goodwill and a lot of like a positive bias towards it so then you know it's way easier to connect with them convert them and anything like that like you, instead of like it's kind of like you you're turning this huge engagement machine with like hundreds of thousands of impressions which is very uh not personal and by making it funny you create all of these small one-on-one -on -one connections where like it seems personal to way more people so then you can have this scale and yet it's still a personal level connection and not like some very um, boring ad that you feel like a big gap between you and the brand. But when you actually make a joke, it brings people closer to you and then it's way easier to do anything. Yeah, so I think it's... The, the interesting thing here is that like, you didn't brute force yourself into telling those jokes because you just mentioned that that's how you are. Like, So if anybody listening to this has a natural tendency to to make jokes, then it may make sense going down that rabbit hole. But for people who are perhaps not, let's say, that funny or don't like that kind of stuff, then perhaps like they should just see like what um, kind of personality they they are and and how they actually you know 
convey their message in yeah, real and, life you know, and I, just try to transpose it. Yeah. And and I see it all the time. Like, And the beauty, I think, one of the reasons I like Twitter so much is that you have all of these types of content cohabiting. Like, I have a friend on Twitter who's like doing visuals. So he's more like a designer who he creates amazing visuals about, you know, some philosophical stuff. And that's how he creates a connection with his audience. Some people are going to be more like all about being experts and have knowledge. So they might create threads where they compile their knowledge into valuable information. And that's, I think, is the beauty of like, you don't have to force it. Don't try to make jokes. Just try to do something that's very natural and authentic. I mean, the, the power is in the authenticity. Like when you're authentically mm -hmm. sharing something that like is real to you, people are going to feel it and it's going to be what really is moving. And I think that's a big mistake I made for years with social media because before that, I was completely shit at any kind of social media. And the reason this time it worked is that after trying it for a while, I realized it's not that hard to become a creator because like we all have, I mean, most of us have something that we can talk about and in, in one way that we're good at. Like for me, it's like jokes, but some people it's going to be something else. And just starting the act of creating something like that, it's like, it, it's so uncommon. So few people do it. So few people create something that's like authentic and funny. Or, I mean, not, not necessarily funny, but like, you know, um, genuine that when you do it, it's very hard to not get some attention because people crave this shit. Like there's so much fakeness going on, on social media. When you start sharing something that's genuine to you, even though you think it's weird or it might not be interesting or it might be just off topic. I mean, it's something that a lot of people crave. Like we, that's what we want to see on social media. So when you just start doing something like this, it has a very strong way of connecting you to, to people very quickly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And how long did you, did it take for you to, to figure this out? So it was pretty quick because when I started tweeting, I mean, me, my wife and I, we were pretty desperate. Like we had spent almost all our savings on this startup, not making much, like making barely like around $300 every month, which obviously is not enough to, you know, to do anything. So I basically, once I saw that there was potential on Twitter, you know, with that tweet uh, that got me attention from sharing my story, I just went all in. I was like, okay, this is possible to make sales with Twitter. And I, at the time I had like 150 followers, but I, I and I was mostly you know, friends from school that weren't even active. So it's basically starting almost from zero. But I was like, okay, this is my only hope right now. Because I tried all the marketing and it was like not easy, like, and it wasn't working and it didn't make sense. So, okay, I can do this. I can share my story and it's working. So let's go all in. And then I just went crazy. I just spent like 10 hours a day on Twitter for like, you know, a few months like this. Like for six months, I was between eight hours and 10 hours a day on Twitter, even weekends. And I just kept trying stuff. You know, I experimented. I experimented, you know, how many times should I tweet? How should I engage with others? What should I do? What should I tweet about? I just made so many experiments. I remember even like having some very good tweets, but I purposefully tweeted them at a moment where I knew it would fail just to test my theory that it's like, uh, uh, like uh, that I, I shouldn't tweet at this time. So I find the, just the ideal kind of like algorithm stuff and also the kind of content that works with people. And then eventually, you know, after doing that like crazy, like after two months of doing that, I started getting, you know, figuring out the puzzle. And after like four months, I had a complete process that I was just blazing through every day and just, you know, growing. Yeah. So we're, you were just like really geeking things out. So like all yeah. in, like j just for me, you know, thinking like I'm, <laughs> I'm not the social media guy again. <laughs> I'm just reemphasizing on this, but like and eight to yeah. 10 hours, like, when I when I just spend 30 minutes on Twitter just, you know, to connect with some other creators or so, I already, you know, my, my head is already, you know, is already fried. So like Yeah, I understand. My wife is the uh, same, yeah. Yeah, so 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 this is why like you really have to to pick your battles. But the thing is like like once you really like discover the platform, um, it's really all about, you know, making those those uh, those split tests and really figuring out and like really having this scientific mindset of trying things and and seeing actually what you get in return and, and see if you can actually grow a um, or come up with kind of a theory or methodology that actually leads us right now to the probably uh, biggest part of the of, of the of the of the of the podcast today which is <laughs> your your online course and um, 
honestly speaking, like I'm, obviously I'm going to link to the course in the show notes. Um, I think that the the way that you've marketed your course is is very very interesting, and not because you know I'm just you know um, telling this because I have you on the show. No, because I I, I generally think that's the case, um, especially given the fact that there are a gazillion of Twitter courses out there, right? So this is where I really wanted to 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 hone in on the fact or, or the process that helped you come up with this unique positioning. So for everyone who didn't check out the page, um, you have, um, like, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to 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 let you actually tell t- tell the story like how did you how did you come up with this positioning for, for for your course so please go ahead so that's a very good point about uh you know there's a lot of existing course and so initially i didn't want to do the course because of this because well first to be honest i don't like people who do courses usually <laughs> because <laughs> i have this assumption that most people who do courses they're just bullshitting like they don't really know they just know that the courses make money. So because a course is an easy way to make money, a lot of people do it, and you have a lot of bad quality. So that was like always this assumption and this fear that I don't want to be a part of that, you know? And I don't want to be this guy who had this startup and it didn't work out, so he did a course. And I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. So like, I spent six months. So, so I, as I started growing on Twitter, though, and I started getting sales for my startup because of this, I started giving tips to people on DMs, like people asking me, "Hey, how do you do with Twitter?" Like, how? because like a lot of people could notice that I was getting a lot of engagement because like they had saw me six months earlier and compl- like with a like very small account and just like started taking off. So they were very curious. So I started helping people kind of randomly in DMs, and and eventually I was like okay, this course, if I could do a course, I know it could have value because I'm providing value in DM. So it's not fake. It's not bullshit. So I was like, okay, I could do it. And then also, I also had this thing about, okay, this has potential. So I wanted to do it. But then I stumbled upon this problem of like, there are so many courses. Like, and some making insane amounts of money, you know, some who made like 200K in the first year. Um, You know, basically, a lot of course from big names like Daniel Vassalo or Arvid Karl who are like big names in the startup uh, uh, Twitter and and I remember when I started going to communities and asking people you know what their main questions were about Twitter so I could uh, kind of like prepare the outline of my course a bunch of people said what's the point of doing a course there's this there's this course that already exists you know so I was like feeling a lot like okay it's not going to work like it was very scary but then I, you know, as I spoke to more people, I saw that first I had kind of like unique insights into it because the way I approach the thing, both strategically and authentically was pretty new because usually people either do one or the other. Either it's like, oh, you need to be authentic, but then you forget about growth or it's all about growth, but you're full of like hacky tactics that are not really helping you connect with people strongly. So I was right in the, in the middle and I thought, okay, this is interesting. This is worth, you know, talking about. And also about the positioning, you know. So if you've seen my memes and my tweets, I can have a very dark and brutal humor. And I thought, okay, my style is pretty aggressive. Uh, you know, like the course is called Dominate Twitter, you know, because of this. And, but it's also funny. And so the thing is, in the startup world, a lot of people, they're not very creative, uh, and they don't have like a crazy positioning. And also they don't like to take risk. So even though I had a lot of com- competition, none of them had a very strong positioning. You know, most, some of them don't even have a landing page. It's just like a Gumroad product. So I thought, okay, nobody really tried to do a Twitter course with a strong marketing positioning kind of thing. Nobody did that. Or at least no, none that I know of. So there's still room for me. And so what I started doing is I started, you know, thinking of how I could stand out. My focus was, how do I stand out? And since a lot of people on Twitter, uh, you know, it's all about being nice, not making waves. I was like, okay, my aggressive style, which is more like in line with the memes and the jokes that I make, this makes me stand out. And actually a very funny thing about the positioning is 
because I wanted to build awareness for the course, I started asking questions on Twitter. I remember doing a poll of like, okay, I'm hesitating between three titles. And the first title was like something like winning the Twitter feed. The second was dominate the Twitter feed. And the third was uh, king of Twitter or something like that. And most people were like, a huge majority voted for winning the Twitter feed. That was the winning title. And I had a lot of votes. So that was like uh, reliable. But then what I noticed is that the people who voted for dominate Twitter, they felt very strongly about it. They like, they really loved it. And nobody loved winning Twitter. Nobody loved that title. So, and even people who were voting for winning Twitter or like the other titles, they were telling me about dominate is too aggressive. So I felt, okay, I'm going to take a risk because I need to stand out. And what I see is that even though it's not the winning title, it's the one that makes people resonate with emotionally. So it's again, it's, I'm going back to the emotion. You know, it's all about emotion, like with my tweets. I noticed that talking about dominate Twitter and being more aggressive and, and talking about the algorithm and like things that are like way different than other people, that was my way in. Because I knew if I just did something vanilla, like, like the other courses, I would fail because there's, they already exist and I don't bring anything new. So I thought, okay, there's no point in like doing like something that already exists. So let me just stand out as much as I can. And since I'm, I have the chance of my wife being a logo designer and being in branding, she also, you know, designed the brand in a way that is very impactful, like strong, black and white, very powerful style font. And so all of this made me think, okay, I, I was very scared, you know, when I launched, I thought it, it can totally fail because it's too aggressive and people already told me it's too aggressive. So maybe they're going to feel bad about it. But I think we found the right balance of like being aggressive, but also bringing some humor. And so making it always on the light side that I think it found the right balance. But the plan was always to, if I don't stand out, I'm dead. So I need to stand out and I need to go crazy, uh, you know, as, and to go very strong if I want to be noticed because everybody's done a Twitter course and people keep telling me, why do you do this? It's not useful. So I needed to stand out to make people, you know, see. And, and I even remember, I'm like, my goal is for people to reach the landing page. Cause I thought, okay, if I just call that my Twitter course and it's just boring, people are not going to, going to check the landing page. So I'm like, I'd rather call it dominate. So even people who think they hate it will check the landing page and then the landing page will convince them. But I first need to stand out enough that people notice that, okay, this is a Twitter course, but this is not just a Twitter course. This is something else. So I need mm -hmm. to check it out, even though you might be like uh, hating it at first, but at least you check it out and then, you know, I can convince you. That makes so much sense. So like, there is like one thing that I like to say, like, if you really want to stand out, you need to take a stand. So like, yeah. this is exactly what you've done here because, um, you know, there is like this, this concept of you can only position your, yourself against something, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, which means that if you, if you don't take a stand and don't try to, you know, to just to, to polarize or to appeal to, to really strong emotions, as you, as you just, as you just mentioned, like you can't really position yourself. And this is what, like what so many people get, get wrong, especially when it comes to to creating online courses. They are just creating an online course, but you know they don't want to be too aggressive. They don't want to talk too much. To yeah, the, it's it's to, it's frightening. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 the interesting thing is right now that you know that you talked about this. Now I start understanding like way better like how you structure this page because like we have been talking right now for about thirty minutes, and I saw that there is like one. One thing that actually that that um, you've been talking about um, for for uh, uh, for several times or now, which is emotion, and if you really think about it, like all like even like your your landing page is highly emotional too, because like you're really addressing yeah. insecurities. So perhaps you can you can you can walk us behind like the thought process when it comes to uh, setting up your 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 emotional sales page. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that, you're, you're definitely right. It's because like, that's how I write tweets. That, that's how I do memes. It's all about empathy with emotion and, you know, really pushing it. And for example, for my 
landing page. I remember when I had, when I decided to do the course, you know, when I was like, okay, I'm going to do the course. I didn't have the course, but I was already working on the landing page because I, I thought, okay, I need a way to sell it. So I was already thinking, I had wrote, I, th I think, four versions of the landing page before I started recording or doing the course because I was already thinking, okay, this is only going to be successful if I can find the right, you know, emotions to play. And for me, it was all about connecting with other people on Twitter, like doing, you know, monitoring what people were complaining about, about Twitter. And the main things were, oh, I'm frustrated because this algorithm thing, I don't understand it. And my tweets are not visible and it's shitty because some people with stupid tweets, they get like, they get a stupid cat video, but they get millions of likes and I get an amazing, I have an amazing tweet and nobody cares. That's so unfair. You know, all of that pain and emotion of Twitter, I started really looking at that on different tweets and on my own emotion of starting on Twitter, you know, connecting it to my own experience. And I was like, okay, I'm going to really put myself in that position of like, the pain of Twitter. What's the pain? You know, what's the pain? And the pain is the algorithm. It's feeling invisible. It's feeling like shit because you see other people, you know, succeed and you're not, even though you think like you're better than them. Like all these strong emotions that we have on, it's, it's actually on many social media, but uh, especially on Twitter. And, and so the, the first part of the page, uh, which is like pretty already long, it, it's only that it's only like, um, uh, you know, you, you suck at Twitter you're in pain. No, no. Like the, the orders, like you, like Twitter is making you feel pain. And then I just push, push, push on the pain, like saying, yeah, you, you completely fail. You have zero likes, zero engagement. People make fun of you, like really pushing it. Even add a meme that's showing like somebody failing, like by tweeting every day, but not getting any success. And then starting to show them, like once I'm really big on that emotion, I wanted like a relief. And so the relief was, but it's not your fault. It's not you. It's the Twitter algorithm. That's the key to the page. The key to the page is like, like really focus on the pain. And then when people really feel the pain, tell them, oh, but like you can actually get rid of, I mean, no, first tell them it's not your fault. It's the fault of the algorithm. And then tell them, and if you just understand the algorithm, you're not going to have the pain anymore. It's going to work. And that's just like, very powerful you know i think because you just like follow the process of emotions of someone from i feel like i'm stuck i'm not going to succeed on twitter to oh wow there's a way out and there's an easy way out which is this course and if i buy it it's going to work now the even better part is that i worked my ass off to make sure this promise was you know achieved so now it's awesome i sold more than 700 people tell me it works i have proof that it works now but because I would hate that it's just like a fake promise, but the strength is still like in making a very strong emotional connection and then telling them you can actually solve it. You know, that's really the key. That's like focus on the pain and then, oh, but it's not your fault. Here's the solution. You just made a small mistake. You just make it, you just made a tiny mistake. You just need to fix that and it's going to be fine. I think that's, that's really genius. And, and really it, it makes me like, um, it reminds me of the the one sentence persu persuasion course. So I don't know if you know it, but actually it says that people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, ally their fears, confir confirm their their suspicions, and help them. Oh, well, wow. yeah, that's exactly end. it. So yeah, you're exactly really throwing it. rocks and telling them, "Look, like the nasty guy here is." Uh, is it, it's not you the algorithm. It's the Twitter algorithm it's the algorithm yeah hmm. and and the interesting thing is like when it comes to the algorithm like it has this part of mystery right so nobody yeah, like yeah, yeah. we don't know like what what the algorithm really is and right now like you're just stepping in and, and telling them well uh, i may know I, I may not have coded the algorithm but i know how it works yeah that's it yeah I mean, I don't know everything, but I know enough to take you from, you know, failing to, you know, growing. And that's like the key. That's like, because I experimented so much, I, I noticed that was my strength when I was DMing people with tips is that a lot of people told me, even people with huge accounts told me, holy shit, you know the algorithm better than anyone. Like you're just like, like someone told me, like I put it on my landing page actually, but that was, uh, that was to me like a big sign that, okay, this is, 
like the algorithm is the thing that fascinates people and I have a unique uh, value proposition to offer with that. So that's why I went all in on the algorithm. And actually the, the title of the landing page is different now. The title is like about how Twitter can help grow your startup. So it's more focused on benefits. The first version of the title was the algorithm is killing your growth. I want to A-B test it again. I just had problems with my A-B testing tool, but that's the other title I had in mind. It's just that since I'm in the niche of startup, I wanted to like make it even more niche because the more niche it is, you know, the more effective. But, you know, uh, that's another title that I think I'm going to go with because it's very interesting how I want to start with pain. You know, I want to start with pain and emotion and like starting with the algorithm is killing your growth. It's like, okay, I'm listening now because it's true. I feel it. I have this suspicion. So please tell me more. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and honestly speaking, because like, I'm not in your, I'm not in your target market, like as a startup founder, but I remember when, like, when I, when I wrote the, the breakdown of your sales page, um, like, you know, it, it was the old title. And then when I came back to proofread my, my article, and then I, I just look at the page. Oh, I think he changed something. It wasn't, it wasn't that, that title right here. So, so the other one was, was really strong. Like it's really killing your, killing your, um, killing your growth. Yeah, like, using the word killing. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's really like it aligns with the whole positioning of dominate and and even like with with the black font here. It's like it's like really that there is something going on because people want to go on social media because of their algorithms that make you go viral. And right now you're telling them that no, it's killing. Like there are so many so many things that that really happens and uh, on the sales page. Like I really, it's honestly one of the best sales page that I, that I, that I came across lately. And I'm reading a lot of a lot of sales pages. Wow, so, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is this is interesting. So you just came up with your sales page, um, and then what happened? So you didn't create the course, right? So first you created a sales page. Yeah. Did you did you made any any pre-sale just to validate the idea, or were you just confident enough to just record things and then see how how things are so yeah i didn't i didn't pre-sell because i to me like the dms and the proof of all the other people selling tons of courses i was like okay this is and also i the the other thing about recording is that once i had that strong emotional kind of like thread of what's going to be my main landing page and the core idea like the story i'm telling to convince people I was high on it. Like I saw it. I was like, okay, this is good. Like I knew this was good. Like I, I, you're never sure because like you, it can fail. It can be like a mismatch, but like I was pretty confident. And so I was like, and then my goal was to build the course to fulfill this promise the best. So I basically architectured my whole course so that when I show it on my landing page, it looks like the perfect answer to this problem. You know, it's not like I had my course and then I tried to tell a story about it. It's like I had this perfect story. And then based on the perfect story, I was like, okay, these are the chapters I would like to see if I'm in the shoes of someone reading this story. This is the perfect course for me if I read this landing page. So basically the course was built out of the confidence I had in the landing page. And so, you know, and I even added chapter. I, for example, I never wanted a chapter about how to write tweets because I wanted to focus on the algorithm. But by talking to people and seeing that, I was like, okay, if I'm somebody like that has this problem, so I talked to a lot of people, there's also this problem with writing. So I added an entire section about writing. Like I basically try to design my course to fulfill the landing page the best. And I think that's why now, you know, the course is doing good. It's like, this is actually happening. So I have five stars ratings. I mean, it's like five star rating. It's like very, because like, it's a, it's already a strong promise, but the delivery, you know, matches and even exceeds it for many people. So like, I think that's the key is like marketing is really the first part, you know, and it's very important because without it, I wouldn't have had any sales. That was a uh, five-star reviews. And the thing is because like it fulfills the promise. And now the beauty is that the main sales I got from the launch suite and all that, but now because it fulfills the promise of the landing page, it goes one step further with a lot of word of mouth and people recommending it. And now I get lots of sales just from that. So this is also another component to this is that once you have the landing page, if you can build the perfect product to fulfill the promise, then it will amplify like the long-term success of you know whatever you're selling. And that's, this is really the second part. And like having built the product after the landing page 
that was, I think, a complete reversal on what I used to do. But this is also why it's way more successful. Yes, and this is like one of the biggest mistakes that so many people, so many course creators in general make is like, first what they do is, okay, I have a course idea. I'm going to create the course. And then, okay, they created a course. And like, especially if they're following the the course, the video course gurus, what they what they do is like, they have to purchase a camera. They have to know how to get the lighting right. And then... Oh, yeah, all that. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they spend months of just, just recording the course. Then the course is ready. And then, okay, oh, now I have to sell it. So, and then, you know, it's like they just try to, to you know, they, they just try to, to sell something without really having, putting, like, putting the thought in, well, is this really something that the market actually wants? And... And and the fact that you are designing the course before actually selling it, this makes total sense. And this is also a process that that that, that I'm adopting um, because, like, it's 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 so hard to um, try to you know to to market your product um, once is once it's finished because you just have to yeah. kind of artificially find. Well, what are the benefits? What are the features? What are the things? Yes. But when you do it first, like when you really spend the time, okay, what features do I want? What benefits do I want? And then incorporate them in the course. This makes the whole difference. And, you know, the success of the course made me realize this is the right approach. And this is actually 10 times more, like 10 times more effective than the regular approach of product first. And so now, for example, my startup logology, we are rebuilding it from scratch doing that so instead of like oh we want to do logos because my wife is a designer i'm a coder and we want to build a logo generator to match our skills we're just like on twitter asking people questions monitoring the sentiment around logos branding design and seeing the painful problem and then i'm going to try to make a landing page and if i can find a landing page you know that's equally as powerful as the dominate twitter one with like very strong pains, and I think I'm finding something, so I'm very happy, then then I'm going to build a product to fulfill that promise. And I think the product will be, well, maybe not as successful uh, as the course because the course is like, it's so easy to buy a course because you can just buy it anytime. You don't need the specific timing. Like it's very easy to sell a course, but at least make my startup something like three times more successful than it is because there's a strong promise and a perfect delivery of that promise, which is a complete reversal and a complete change in what most people do and why most people fail. Because as you said, you start with the product and then you try to find some kind of like not really uh, consistent and not really genuine reasons to make people buy it. So since the most important is like to convince people to buy it, if you start with that first, then you win bigger. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's so true. And, um, Perhaps we could dive a little bit deep, dig a little bit deeper into the how you do market research on Twitter. So, are you just monitoring what people, let's say, reply to your tweets, or are you um, obviously having private conversation? But perhaps private conversation could be easy when you already have, let's say, an account with with a lot of followers. So, perhaps can you walk us through um, a beginner? friendly strategy with for okay. someone who doesn't have a lot of a lot of followers and 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 yeah and how you do it today with having actually the leverage that you have okay so the first thing i want to say before diving into that is the key insight even more important and more behind this is if you go on twitter with like oh or like any social platform and you're like i have my product idea and now i need to find people for it it's less optimal that if you go to twitter without any product idea and just spontaneously connect and start building some engagement a tiny audience a couple hundred followers a couple thousand followers over a couple months and connect with people you genuinely care about about topics that you spontaneously care about and then you start doing this because if you, because by doing this, then you will sp- go naturally towards the way that is going to be, you know, the most consistent with you and the most authentic. And because it's authentic, you'll have a way easier time 
finding a powerful message, powerful ideas, and doing something that can really hit people, you know, when you announce it and when you talk about it. So I really think like that's the even deeper than like the strategy to like talk to people and get insights. It's about how you approach it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't have any fixed outcome. You know, for example, for Logology right now, I'm not trying to think about logos. I'm just thinking general design problems. So it's just like one industry about design, you know, design for startups. That's, that's, the, that's the only uh, boundaries that we set at the beginning about my audience and also startup founders and all that. And then from that, you know, we're going to ask questions. But if you go in with like, oh, I need to ask questions about a logo generator that does this and that, like you're already limiting yourself to maybe an idea with more potential, uh, you know, a, a sibling idea that has more potential in the same audience. So, you know, that, that's why I wanted to say that first. Perfect. So it's really like um, starting with kind of a target market and then just... Yeah, more like an industry know, based on yes. the topics that you care about, on the topics that Perfect. you want to talk about and that you want to help people with, you know. Yeah, that's really the starting point. Okay, um, perfect, perfect. And uh, and then once you have that, so then the beginner strategy, I think if you don't have many followers, is just, I would start with monitoring. You can do Twitter. Reddit is also very good at monitoring. So you look at for subreddits that, which are basically the Reddit communities, uh, about the different industries that you're about. And you can see very quickly the problems that people have often. You can, you know, if you monitor it, you look at the conversations, you also look at the replies and the, and the comments that people make. You can see that, you know, there's, there's usually something that's going to come up. For example, for me, like, you know, uh, on my logo business, I can see that the main problem isn't really logos. It's going to be more like, how do I design my startup? Like, how do I do design for anything? Like my website, my uh, my social media posts, my, uh, you know, my business cards, like it's mm -hmm. all of these things that are creating a lot of pain and suffering. It's not so much the, the logo. So that's, you know, what I'm finding out now by monitoring. Yeah. So if I, if I, if you're beginning, I would just focus on monitoring because anyway, if you don't have people following you, I mean, you can ask your questions, but you know, very few people are going to answer. Although on Twitter, you have something interesting is that when you do a poll, you know, you have the poll feature where you can ask a question, uh, give a couple of choices and people can vote. You're going to get a big boost in visibility. So if you only have like a couple active followers, it might be enough to get a couple dozen votes on a question, which can be already helpful in like determining this kind of, th of stuff, even though like a close question is not going to be as helpful. But yeah, I would focus on like looking where people have pain, looking where people have problems, you know. Um, and then how I do it now with a bigger account, well, now it's way easier. Like I have so many people who I know, I already have customers on my startup, so I can just ask my customers, you know, if they have a deeper problem than just the logo. Um, on Twitter, I can just ask a question and I'm going to get hundreds of responses. So obviously this is a huge advantage to building an audience is that then you have this kind of like big opportunity of like, you can just... Uh, go fish for ideas like ask people hey what problem do you have with that like and also focus on the problem don't focus on the idea don't ask people what's your idea ask people what's your pain what's your problem and then you mm -hmm. can write the you know the landing page about the pain and then you will find the best idea to solve that pain but really focus on the pain and asking them either directly through dms you can also yeah you can also do like whether you have a big account or small you can also find people who you have built a small relationship with and who are in this target market and ask them about their problems directly because you usually don't need to ask a million people. You don't need like, if you have like 20 people, you basically have everything. Like if you have 20 people answering about their pain, like in depth, you're, in depth, you're going to have enough information to, to build something. Yeah, that's uh, that's very very powerful. When it comes to like, there is, I think, a, a little catch when it comes to monitoring. Um, so, you just mentioned previously that, um, you know, you have been asking people, well, how should I name my course? And you just saw like what people said wasn't really like the best thing to pick. So how do you actually differentiate between what people say, let's say the problem that they really have and the thing that they are really willing to, to pay for? So, you know, I think that's, that's going back to the pain thing. Like if you ask people, uh, 
what's your product idea? That's something that you shouldn't rely on because it's just an idea. It doesn't mean that they want to pay for it. Like it has so many variables. But if you ask like, what's, you know, a big pain in your life related to design of your startup? Mm-hmm. What they're going to tell you, this is going to be a, a real thing. So that's why, I, and that's the same with Twitter. You know, what's the pain with Twitter? And you can, like when people talk about their pains, I feel like you cannot make a mistake. Like you cannot make a mistake with the pain. And it's not, it's not the product. It's just the pain at this stage. Then if, then if you want to validate, what you could do is you can build a landing page and then just put a button like buy now and get access, you know, with like 30% off and then get early access to the product. And if you get sales, then you're going to have proof that the pain is strong enough. But I feel like overall, when you focus on emotions, it's way easier to, to not make that mistake. Because if you just ask people, oh, what's a good idea? They're just going to tell you something, you know, out of their hat. They're going to be like, oh yeah, that would be a good idea. That would be cool. I would like that. But it's not strong. But when you're like in pain, in like somebody who's like, oh, I struggle with this. I hate this. You know, I hate my life because of this. Then you know, like if you bring them uh, a medicine for that pain, you're likely that they're going to be happy. Then you just need to, you know, do the right positioning and offer. But like if there's pain, there's uh, there's money, basically, I think. Awesome. Uh Dagobert, thank you very much. Like it has been a really insightful conversation. Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap up this call? I said earlier, I don't really like to promote my product. I'd rather people just like be interested in what I said and then they check out themselves. So <laughs> no, I just think, yeah, you know, I think we said everything. Perfect. So I'm all I'm going to leave all the links in the show notes. And yeah. Thank you very much. And I wish you all the best on your creator journey, whether it's, you know, on on the content creation side or on the startup side. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. You know, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you because I haven't talked about that much and I was really cool to be able to, you know, share these ideas. So I'm very glad, you know, you invited me. Thank you. All right. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Dagobert Renouf. Honestly speaking, I think that this episode today is a masterclass in itself when it comes to positioning your offer as a creator. So be sure to go back, take notes, and really implement the stuff that we have been talking about today. So if you want to know more about this course, if you want to grow on Twitter, I just left the link to Dagobert's course in the description. So full disclosure, it's an affiliate link, which means that I'm going to get a kickback in case you buy the course. If that's the case, thank you very much for using the link. And you'll also find the link to my daily emails to help you grow as a creator in the description. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And I talk to you next week.